Thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. We exist to connect people to live the life of a Jesus follower. We are excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. Just want to make you aware of a couple things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks by searching at Hope Church LV. Also, be sure to check out our website, hopechurchonline.com. There, you have access to other resources, information about who we are and where we're going as a church, as well as an opportunity to give to what God is doing here. Once again, thanks for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. Please let us know if there's any questions you have or any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. I want you to see a number on the screen that I hope staggers you a little bit. This number is the population of the world right now. And that's how fast it's growing. Over 7 billion people on planet Earth. Let's look at that number. To try to give you some kind of filter for that number. If you and I were to start right now and count to that number in seconds, it would take us 222 years to count to that number in seconds. In the Bible, Paul, in the book of Romans, asks some very penetrating questions about the people of the earth. Over seven billion of them. I want you to listen to what Paul asks in Romans chapter 10. But how can they call on Him to save them unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him if they have never heard about Him? And how can they hear about them, about Him, unless someone tells them? This particular set of questions that Paul is raising here forces us to think about the over 7 billion people on planet Earth. And really to think about where will they spend eternity. Because every one of those numbers, every one of those 7.4 plus billion people are going to spend eternity somewhere. Let me give you some numbers to kind of go inside of that 7.4 billion. Think the number one and a half billion of those people. It would take us 55 and a half years just to count to one and a half billion. One and a half billion people of the 7.4 billion that live on planet Earth 
have never heard about Jesus Christ, and they have no access to the gospel in their language. Let that sink in for a minute. One and a half billion people today on planet earth have never heard about Jesus Christ. Think about how many times you heard about Jesus before you came to know Jesus. Think about how many church services maybe you sat through or how many friends shared with you about Christ before you finally decided to give your life to Christ. And yet 1.5 billion people on planet earth have never one time heard about Jesus Christ. They don't know anything about the gospel. And if they wanted to hear about the gospel, the first thing they would have to do is learn a completely different language because there's no gospel accessible in their language. As sad as that reality is, sometimes we can kind of put that out of our minds because, well, I don't speak their language, I don't know those people. But I want to try to bring it home a little bit even more closely today. Las Vegas has just over 2 million people, 2.1 million people that live here in our city. Did you know that 92% of the people that live in Las Vegas in the most recent census declare no relationship with God at all? 92% of the people that live in Las Vegas do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. They're not Christians. They're not followers of Jesus. That means over 1.9 million people who live in our city, if they died today, would spend eternity separated from God. Let's bring it even more close to home. Within a couple of miles of this campus where we're sitting right now, if you take the six closest zip codes, 89183, 89123, 89052, 89012, 89074, and 89044. There are 231,723 people in those six zip codes who, if they die today, will spend eternity separated from God in a place called hell. So regardless of whether you think across the street or you think around the world, there are people who woke up today that do not know Jesus. They've never heard or experienced the saving power of the gospel. How many of you today, you're, you're thankful to be forgiven by God. Anybody in the room thankful to be forgiven? Aren't you glad today that when you woke up, when you woke up this morning, that, that your standing before God today is not based on your performance, but that you've been forgiven in Christ and you've been reconciled to God and your eternity is secure? There are millions of people, billions of people all over the world, hundreds of thousands of people all around us who did not wake up with that reality today. And listen to the question Paul asked. How will they hear about Him unless someone tells them? It's 
So the real question of the morning is, what's the plan? What is God's plan to tell the world? What is God's plan to tell Las Vegas? Can I let you in on a secret? You are the plan. You're the plan. You could say it this way. The the plan of God is that the whole church take the whole gospel to the whole world. That's the plan. Think about it this way. How many of you knew a Christian before you knew Christ? Let me see your hand. Just about all of us. I mean, there are exceptions. There are stories that I've heard where Christ appears to people in dreams. That does happen. But the overwhelming majority of us today who are followers of Jesus, before we met Jesus, we knew another Jesus follower, and it was that Jesus follower that introduced us to Jesus. It was that Jesus follower that brought us into relationship with Jesus. It was that Jesus follower that we saw Jesus in them, and that's what led us to an understanding or a pursuit of how the gospel could change my own life. We're in a series right now at Hope that we are calling The Life of a Jesus Follower. And in this series, we have really laid down a foundational reality that I want to put up on the screen, and I want you to read it out loud with me today. You ready? One, two, three. The Christian life is not me living for Jesus. The Christian life is Jesus living in and through me. If you get that, say amen. Amen. Listen, if you hadn't gotten anything else we've talked about in this series, I hope you've gotten that. That the Christian life is not you and me living for Jesus. The Christian life is Jesus living in and through us. And so if we are going to put a paradigm down on our lives to ask a question, am I faithfully following Jesus, then I need to understand what the life of Jesus looks like in the Gospels. Because we've said it many times, that Major Ian Thomas quote, he said, the Christian life is nothing less than the life which he lived then, lived now by him in you and so what following Jesus really is is Jesus living his life the same life that he lived out in the gospels now he's living that in and through us so to unpack this idea that you and I are the plan we are on mission I want you to see a couple of truths about Jesus from the gospels today here's the first one Jesus was sent Say that out loud. Jesus was sent. In the Gospel of John, in John's Gospel alone, John really majors on this theme of Jesus being sent. In 16 different chapters in John's Gospel, 42 different times in that Gospel, John refers to Jesus as having been sent 
from God. The word sent means to dispatch, to send forth on a mission. And the implication from John's gospel is that Jesus understood himself to be sent on a mission into this world from God. Well, then what was Jesus sent here to do? Well, here's the second reality about Jesus I want you to catch today. Jesus was sent to bring light. Say that out loud. Jesus was sent to bring light. I want to show you one of these examples from John's Gospel. John chapter 12, verse 45. This is Jesus talking about Himself. Listen to what He says. He who sees me sees the one who, say it out loud, sent me. There it is. Jesus said, when you see me, you see the one who sent me. And then look what He said. I have come, here's why I was sent, as light into the world, so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. Forty-two different times John talks about Jesus being sent. Here's one of them, Jesus himself saying, Hey, when you see me, you see the one who sent me. I've been sent into this world. And Jesus says, Here's what I've been sent to do. I've been sent to bring light. Now, that raises a question. What is light? Well, you can look up the word light in a dictionary. And what's interesting about the word light, it has all kinds of different definitions. For example, light can mean not heavy, right? Somebody's either light or they're heavy, right? And I'll let you decide which category you fall into. But all of us fall into one of those two categories. I'm on the heavy side, all right? We all have these, these, these categories. So that's one definition for light. Another definition for light is that you ignite something on fire. You light it, right? Another definition, if you're in the sport of equestrian, then, then you light a horse. It means you, you mount or get on a horse. That's light. But, but not even counting any of those, just talking about light as you see it in one of these things up here in the ceiling, just talking about that kind of light, there are over 30 different definitions in the English dictionary to define the word light. What do you think of when you think of the word light? Let me give you one of the definitions. Here it is, an electromagnetic radiation in the wavelength range including infrared, visible, ultraviolet, and x-rays and traveling in a vacuum with a speed of about 186,281 miles per second. Is that what you thought of when I said, <laughs> listen, if it is, you need to get out more often, amen? <laughs> You're spending a little too much time at home alone by yourself, if that's what you think of when you think of the word light. Here's another definition, this is my personal favorite of the word light. Not dark. <laughs> well, what I want to do is I want to add a new definition to the mix. Here's what light is. Light is that which makes vision possible. Think about it. The human eye is an amazing creation of God. I encourage you to go home and just Google the human eye and just do some reading on the complexity of the human eye. Each eyeball has 40 different unique parts. 40 working parts in that one eyeball. And some of those parts, for example, like the retina of your eye is a very important part of your eye. That particular part alone has over 120 million rod and cone cells in that one little part of one eyeball. 
God, when He made the eye, made it in such a way that the eyeball works by, by taking in light and then processing that light. For example, when all the components of the eye function properly, light is converted into electronic impulses that are conveyed to the brain where an image is then perceived. But all of this complexity of the human eye doesn't work without light. For example, if we turned all the lights out in the room this morning, guess what? You can't see. Your eyeball's still there, still functioning, all the parts are still working, but if you turn the lights out, you can't see. Now, if we sat here in the dark long enough, you'd begin to be able to see again. Why? Because we couldn't get all the light out of this room, and what your eye does is your eye begins to search. That's why when the lights go up and the lights get down, our pupils get smaller and larger. What is that? It's our eyeball adjusting and focusing to, to bring in or to keep out more light. Because without light... It is impossible to see. If you could go down into the caverns of the earth, into a place where there was literally no light, you can, if you can get in complete darkness, you can have your hand right in front of your face like this, and you cannot see it at all because without light, you cannot see. The same thing is true spiritually. The Bible uses this word light, and when the Bible talks about light, the Bible is referring to the knowledge, the true knowledge of God and of spiritual things. When Jesus said He came to bring light, what He was saying is He came to make it possible for people to know God, to know the truth about God, and to personally have a relationship with God. You see, left to ourselves, we would never discover God on our own. Left to ourselves, we could never earn a right relationship with God. God took the initiative to make Himself known to us. Without light, spiritually, it's impossible for us to see. Let me read it to you from the Bible. Look at Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Look what the Bible says. It says, God, after He spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in His Son. Now stop right there for a minute. Let me tell you what He's talking about. He's talking about Old Testament progressive revelation. Throughout the Old Testament, God was progressively making Himself known a little bit at a time. In creation, we saw the glory and the grandeur and the majesty of God. Then we got the law of God, and in the law of God, we were able to see the holiness and the righteousness of God and the sinfulness of humanity. Then through the prophets of God, we saw the, the mercy and the grace and the sovereignty of God. Through the miracles of the Old Testament, even into the New Testament, we began to see the power and the, the, the greatness of God. But all of these, he says, God, through the Old Testament prophets, was making himself known in many portions and in many ways but look what he said in these last days he's spoken to us in his son now look what he says whom he appointed heir of all things through whom he also made the world and he Jesus his son is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power here's what he's saying God throughout the history of humanity has been making Himself known a little bit at a time. But then He came, or then Jesus came into the world. 
And Jesus is all that God is with skin on. You ever had a little child ask you the question, what's God like? Kind of an intimidating question. (laughs) But there's really an easy answer. The answer is Jesus. The Bible says God had been making Himself known, but in Jesus, we have the exact representation of, of His nature. We have God in the flesh. That's why Paul said, in Him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Jesus once and for all fully revealed the truth about God and how we could know Him personally. That's why, look at it again, John 12, Jesus said, He who sees me Sees the one who sees. You know what Jesus said? When you see me, you've seen God. When you see me, you've seen the Father. All that the Father is, I am. That's what Jesus said of himself. Jesus said, I am. He said, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus said, when you see me, you see the one who sent me. I've come as light into the world. Why? So that everyone who believes in me will no longer remain in darkness. They have the ability to know God and to live in a personal relationship with God. How? Through the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus came so that the peoples of the earth could know who God is and know God personally. If you got that much, say amen. Amen. Now, I know what you may be thinking. That's great. That's his mission. What does that have to do with me? I'm so glad you asked. Because I want to read you a couple of verses. And I was praying this coming in today. If we could all grab the truth of the next couple of verses I'm about to read, it would absolutely change the way you see your life. You would never see your life the same way again if you grab what I'm about to say. I want to read you a couple of verses. The first one is Jesus talking to His Father. Jesus talking to His Father in John 17. Listen to what Jesus said. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent, say it out loud, them into the world. that sink in Jesus looks at the father father as you sent me into the world I also sent them who's them 
Well, this is not on the screen, but if you, if you read down two verses to verse 20 of that same chapter, Jesus said, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word. He's talking to, about every follower of Jesus. And, and just to make that even more clear, look at the next verse on the screen. John chapter 20, a couple of chapters later, this is Jesus now not talking to his father. Now he's talking to the disciples, and look what he says to them. He says, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. You getting the picture? Let me make it real plain. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Listen what Jesus said. You are the light of the world. Wait, 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 wait a minute. I thought Jesus said he was the light of the world. He is. Where does he now live? In you and in me. The Christian life is not you and me living for Jesus. The Christian life is Jesus living in and through us. He is the light of the world. He now dwells in us just like the Father sent Him. He has now sent you and I, and He desires through us to allow people to know who God is and how they can have a personal relationship with Him. You are the light of the world. What's the plan? <laughs> You're the plan. We're walking through this series. We've been talking about the reality that the life of a Jesus follower is all about what? Relationships, right? We've been talking about that now for several weeks. First of all, it's about a relationship with God. If you miss that, you miss everything. Following Jesus is not a religion. It's not do's and don'ts, rights and wrongs, rules and regulations. Following Jesus is about an intimate love relationship with God. You've been invited into a relationship with God because Jesus died on a cross for your sins, rose again from the dead. You and I can be forgiven. We've been brought into the family of God, and now we're to live every moment of our lives out of the overflow of intimate fellowship with Him. Everything God desires to do through our lives, He'll do out of the overflow of the fellowship relationship that we have with Him. If you you miss that you miss everything listen if you're here today and you don't know what it is to to be forgiven you don't know what it is to have a relationship with God you don't know what it is to know that you're going to go to heaven when you die at the end of our service we're going to give you an opportunity you can come today and you can have a personal relationship with God through Jesus because that's what Jesus came that you could have so that you could know God personally 
But following Jesus is not just about a relationship with God. We've said because I have a relationship with God, I now have a relationship with God's family. He's brought us into relationship with each other, and we are to live out our relationship with God in fellowship with God's family. I don't go to church or go to small group because it's what I have to do to be a good Christian. No, I connect with other believers in large group and small group because it's through my relationship with God that I've been given my relationship with you, and it's through my relationship with with you that my relationship with God is deepened and enriched and grown. We fellowship with one another. We do life together. We experience life change in community. But following Jesus is not just about the holy huddle of our relationship with God and with each other. You see, sometimes we think Christianity's about isolation from the world. We've created Christian subcultures for everything. We got Christian this and Christian that and Christian this and Christian that. We do everything we can to Christianize ourselves right out of the world. The message of the gospel was not a message of isolation. Listen to me. The message of the gospel was a message of incarnation. God did not stand outside of the world and say, this is who I am. God came in humanity and dwelt among us. So following Jesus is about a relationship with God that spills into my relationship with my brothers and sisters in Christ but then overflows into relationships with people that don't know God at all. Locally, globally. My neighbors and the nations. And when you understand this, every moment of your life is now to be lived on mission with God. We've been using different words. We, we talked about the relationship with God as the word abide, abiding in Christ personally and daily, and relationship with one another is the word connect, connecting in large groups and small groups. Well, this third word is the word share. We're to share in God's mission locally and globally. And here's what we tend to think. Well, that's for the paid professionals over there. Or that's for the really radical Christians. No, that's who Jesus is. It's what He sent us to be. The gospel says that God so loved the world. And you and I are to live our lives on mission with Him to reveal His love to the world around us. Think about this. God invited you into relationship with Himself because He loves you. But He also invited you into a relationship with Himself because He loves the people around you. It's not just about you. This means you live where you live. Not because you picked that house or that apartment. Let me tell you why you live there. Because God in His sovereignty put you there because He loves the people on that street. And He sent you there so that through you, He can make Himself known to the people. You, you know why you work where you work? You work where you work because He sent you there. Because He loves the people around you. 
And here's the plan. The only way they're going to know is through you. You are the plan. Well, how does this happen? How do I reveal Jesus to the world? I want to read you one last passage of Scripture. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul really writes expressing this idea of Christ in us, living through us on mission. And I don't know a place in the Bible, to be honest with you, that better expresses it than these verses. 2 Corinthians 2, 14, look what he says. But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And I want you to listen to this next sentence very carefully. And manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Him in every place. What if that became a reality? There'll be somewhere between 2,500 and 3,000 people here this weekend. What if everywhere our foot hit the ground this week, the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Jesus was just made known in every place? Every school, every job, every neighborhood, every apartment complex. I love the way he's manifesting through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Him in every place. Verse 15, For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one an aroma from death to death, to the, aroma, to the, to the other an aroma from life to life. And who is adequate for these things? For we are not like many peddling the word of God. But as from sincerity, but as from God, we speak in Christ in the sight of God. I want to close by just giving you a couple of practical handles for how this fleshes out. And then we're going to talk more about it next weekend. How do I reveal Jesus locally and globally? How do I live on mission? Well, there are three important realities as we understand this that I want you to grab this morning. Here's the first one. God does it. Look back at the verse. But thanks be to God. He didn't say thanks be to the Christians. Thanks be to the church. Thanks be to the preachers. No, thanks be to God who leads and God who manifests. The subject of both verbs in verse 14 is God, not you and me. Meaning this, God didn't bring us into relationship with Himself for us to do something for Him. God brought us into relationship with Himself so that He might do something through us. Too many times we, we, we understand relationship language and abide and we understand and connect that we're in a relationship, but we get over here into this idea of the mission and we think, okay, now it's on us. Now we got to do it. And we start notching our belts like we're doing something to accomplish the mission. 
It's not us. It's Christ working in us. God in us working through us. It's this whole principle of of not doing something for Jesus, but me being with Jesus, and then Christ working through me to accomplish His mission. It's why Paul said a chapter later in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 5, not that we are adequate in ourselves as to consider anything is coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God. If your life or my life has any effect on the mission of God, it's not because of anything that we've done. It's because of everything that He's done in and through us. It's Christ in us. Paul says, thanks be to God who's manifesting through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Christ in every place. But it happens out of the overflow of our pursuit of Him. That's the second reality I want you to see here. God does it as the overflow of my relationship with Him. Look back at verse 14. Excuse me, verse 15. He says, For we are a fragrance of Christ to who? What does it say? God. Wait a minute. Shouldn't it say them? He's manifesting through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Him in every place. For we are a fragrance of Christ. Shouldn't it say them? No. It says to God. Why? Because the focus is not them. The focus is Him. But as we focus on Him, He makes Himself known to them through our lives. Listen to the way Clyde Cranford, my mentor, wrote it in his book. Look what he said about this verse. If we are walking in intimacy with Christ, the sweet smell of His presence in our lives rises first to the nostrils of God as a fragrant aroma. Then this fragrance disseminates to those around us. The word manifest here is a word that means to make visible, to show openly, to make known. Here's the principle. As God, through our relationship with Him, transforms our lives, Christ in us is made visible through our lives. So here's what this means. Living sent is really not about doing evangelism and doing missions as much as it's about Christ-likeness. You see, if I'm living in an abiding, intimate, personal relationship with God that's allowing me to connect in fellowship with my my brothers and sisters in Christ and my relationship with God's being challenged and grown and expanded, then here's what happens. He just spills out. Christ in us living through us. Here's what I'm saying to you. If the abiding, because some people think this, well, I'm doing pretty good on abiding and connecting. I got some work to do on that share thing. Here's what I'm telling you. If abiding and connecting is right, sharing just happens. If there's no mission, there's an issue here.
Again, Clyde said it this way. This is real Christianity. A spontaneous overflow of the life of Christ through us. His life. So then here's the last thing. God does it through my life and my lips. He does it through my life and my lips. First, He does it through our life. It's interesting, Paul's writing all this about us sharing with people around us, but it, he, doesn't get, he doesn't even talk about speaking until he gets to the last verse. He does talk about speaking. We're going to talk about that. But first of all, he talks about our lives. He says, through us, in every place, we're the fragrance of Christ. God's instrument of choice is us, and His plan is that we reveal Christ through our very lives, at our job, in our neighborhood, in our school, at our workplace, at the store, Wherever we might be, God's design is that through every aspect of our lives, Christ is made known. You know the Great Commission verses in Matthew 28 says, Go, make disciples of all the nations. Well, that word go, a lot of times we put all the emphasis on the word go, and we think that mission is really about going somewhere overseas. But literally, in the Greek text, the, the imperative is on the word make disciples, not on the word go. The word go is modifying make disciples, and it literally should be translated as you go. Meaning this, as you go locally, as you go globally, as you go to the store, as you go to work, as you go home, as you go to the post office, as you go to the grocery store, as you go to the ball field, as you go to the gym, wherever you go, make disciples. Where you live, where you work, where you play. Here's what that means. Your whole life is sent. Your whole life is on mission. God desires to use you. Look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. This says it real plainly. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. Here's the reality. You see, we authenticate the message that we share with the lives that we live. I had a situation in my life a few years ago where I've been coaching football with a guy, a flag football league here in Las Vegas. We'd been involved for about a year together, and he knew my story, and I'd shared with him about Christ and what we were here doing in Las Vegas. But when, when folks kind of begin to understand who I am and what I do, I don't push myself on them. I just kind of try to build relationships and share Christ when the opportunity's there. And we'd known each other about a year. And about a year into our relationship, I'm out on a football field one night, and we're now coaching separate teams. And I look up one night at practice, and here he comes just making a beeline all the way across the field. And he gets up to me, and he says, Vance, he said, man, I've known you for a year. And he said, Vance, man, I got a great life. I got a beautiful wife. I got great kids. I got a great job. I wouldn't trade anything in my life. But he said, Vance, you got something that I don't have. And he said, Vance, I'd really love to know what that is. And right there on the ball field, I shared the gospel with him again, and unpack Christ for him and a couple weeks later he sent me a little note in the mail and said he'd given his life to Christ and become a follower of Jesus what is that it's it's allowing Christ and listen don't 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 mishear me I get it wrong too a lot okay yesterday I was at Costco I was at Costco yesterday we're just trying to go in there get our card and get out the door you go to Costco on a Saturday it's like a zoo man it's crazy 
So we're in line, the guy behind me, and he's wanting to talk, 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 talk. We're waiting in line. I'm like, dude, I don't want to talk. He's just talking, 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 talking. I'm doing everything I can do to try to cut him off, you know. And I'm, I'm, I'm driving in this morning, and the Lord was like, dude, what happened yesterday? But here's the point. We're always on mission. Every one of us have those moments every day. Sometimes we get it right, sometimes we get it wrong. But here's what, honestly, as I was driving in today, God pierced my own heart. He said, Vance, I, I wanted that guy yesterday to know that I loved him. How many times are those people around us every day? Some people say today that the world is hostile to the gospel, that people don't want to hear the gospel, and I don't think that's true. You know what I think they want to know? I think they want to know is what we're preaching real. Does what you invite them to on Sunday make any difference in your life on Monday? Robert Lewis wrote a book called The Church of Irresistible Influence. Listen to what he said. He said, the world is tired of the church impersonally talking it down and chewing it up. What the world waits to see is whether what we have is better than what they have. Just think what bridges we could build if we truly followed the example of the New Testament church. We would go beyond being seeker-sensitive to a new frontier of being community-admired. We would be known not just by the corner we inhabit, but by the city with which we interact. And people would be drawn to God not because of the weekly show in our churches, but by the irrefutable lives that we incarnate or live. What if people showed up here on Sunday and said, you know what, I don't know anything about your church, but I know some people who go here, and I don't know what they have, but I want whatever they've got. Because I've seen it at work. I've seen it at school. God does it with our lives, but then, lastly, He does it with our lips. Paul talks here about speaking the gospel in verse 17. We speak Christ. It's not just about an authentic lifestyle. There are those moments when we're to open our mouths and share the gospel. Faith comes by hearing. People need to hear the message of Christ. So we need to be equipped to share the gospel, to share our personal story of coming to Christ. But I love the way Paul said it. He said that we speak with sincerity. The word sincerity is an interesting Greek word. It was borrowed out of the marketplace. The word sincere is a word that was borrowed from the field of pottery. When, when, when a man was going to make pots that he was going to sell at the market, he would take the clay, he would shape it, he would mold it, then he would heat up his oven and he would heat those clay pots to, to, to refine that and to, to, to sear it so that it became hard. And An inexperienced potter would sometimes heat the oven too hot or leave the pot in too long. And if you do that, what would happen is it would crack the pot. And so what they would do to cover that is they would take that cracked pot so as not to have wasted all the time that they would put into it. They would take some wax and they would fill in the cracks on that pot with wax <laughs> and then when the wax hardened they would paint the exterior of the pot and then they would sell it at market like nothing was wrong with it and your average casual shopper would come by and pick that up and take it home and not know the difference but the real skilled shopper knew to come and take the pot and hold it up to the light and turn it and make sure there were no cracks in the pot. 
And pots like that, they would stamp on the bottom. And the word they would use was sincere. Here's what Paul's saying. Yeah, we need to speak the gospel, but we need to know something. The world's holding our lives up. And they're looking to see if what we're saying is consistent with the way that we live our lives. And that's really the calling for us as followers of Jesus, to live on mission every day, where we live, where we work, where we play. We're to share in the mission. You and I, we are the plan. Seven billion people on planet Earth, two million people in Las Vegas, 200,000 people within a couple of miles of this facility. And I'm looking at the plan. 